women are so glorious. God's design is so beautifully evident. But the reality is there's a there's a push and a pull, a yin and a yang to how men and women are designed and how we need to operate and how we work together in society. And when a man is not properly initiated, his manhood is not conferred, and he's not playing his role, it upsets the balance of everything, Chico. And we're seeing that play out today. You're listening to the Rediscovering Biblical Manhood podcast. We're growing men who fear the Lord, but do not fear their identity in Christ. The enemy is hard at work in our fallen world. So come on, join us in fighting for the restoration of men's hearts through the church, the word, and our risen savior, Jesus. Welcome to the podcast this week. Jay Teresi, Chica Eloy here. We are excited to have our five listeners back this week, Jay. And uh, I can already hear an immediate difference, man, uh, for our listeners that have have uh, endured, I guess, episodes one, two, and three, you will notice a definite difference in our audio because Jay and I have upgraded to real podcasting, right, Jay? We have. I'm just excited we've got five listeners now. And, you know, I think we've been leading the downloads if we've listened to ourselves, but it's fantastic <laughs> to have a couple more people on board. So looking forward to that. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to seeing the key results after uh, after this recording too. So Jay, why don't you jump in and pray for us and then we'll start today's episode. Yeah, Lord, we just we just bring this time to you. We sanctify it, God. We ask that you would get Chica and I out of the way. As we discuss initiation and manhood and biblical manhood, God, we pray that your words would be ours, your thoughts would be ours, and that you would speak to all the men and women listening to this podcast. Help them to hear what they need to hear, Lord, to see you, find you, and go deeper with you. Jesus, we offer this recording to you, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. 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 So, Jay, we are into part two of Rites of Passage here on the Rediscovering Biblical Manhood podcast. Yeah, I think as we talked about in the first couple of episodes, you know, we're starting here with how do you even define biblical manhood? And we've been having that discussion. We've been talking about what's going on in culture that prevents it. And then we've been honing in on some very specific things. And so we've talked a lot in general around it. But if we just nailed it down, Chica, you know, what we've learned so far, and we're going to talk a lot more in the next couple of episodes about, is one, manhood has to be conferred. It needs to be conferred, and it needs to be conferred by a man to a man. And the second is we need to really be initiated into it. There's a process here to becoming a biblical man, to learning what it means to be a biblical man. I mean, manhood in general requires a process, and then there's an additional process, right? We call it discipleship in the Mm. church, where you have to be initiated into biblical manhood as well. And the third, we have to learn to allow God to continue fathering us, that our initiation actually never ends. And we're going to talk a lot more about that when we talk about Paul and his writings and the great race and running to the end. But the reality is your biblical manhood initiation continues to the end of your life. And that is a perspective, you know, we want to help our our listeners come to as we come to it, Chica, right? Mm. I mean, as we've always said, this podcast, first and foremost, is for Chica and I, you know, we want to go deeper, we want to sharpen each other, iron sharpens iron, we're learning a lot from the things we're talking about. When we go back and listen to it, it's not an exercise in vanity, Chica and I were having this great discussion. I was going back and listening to some of our episodes, and it's helping me go deeper in my own faith. It's like going back and rereading a journal. And so I'm super grateful for modern technology that allows us, Chica, super grateful for your partnership. And I hope that our listeners will benefit as much as we're benefiting from this journey together. Jay, there's so many cuts to what you just mentioned, um, just in, in the summary. And I'm thinking through not only from a spiritual lens, but also a cultural lens. Uh, just how how are we as men, how are our listeners uh, as men and or women, 
Uh, how are we dealing with? Gosh, we're, we're in the we're are we coming out of a pandemic, Jay, or are we stepping into a pandemic? I don't even know. But I was speaking to my sister last night, and she was talking about her youngest daughter who was going into kindergarten, and now going into first grade through this pandemic. So it's virtual. It's out of the classroom. She doesn't really have a teacher because it's all completely via Zoom. Uh, for me, that's a rite of passage that I recall, not very well, but I recall as a kid, like that was important. It's a big deal in our culture. And and now you listen to all of these stories that we're hearing and we have heard over the last year about students that have missed graduations or sports that they no longer get to participate in. And just the impact, I mean, they're, they're many rights, they're, they're many kind of chunks, or if you will, um, coping devices, because th- those events allow us to tell stories. And when individuals tell stories, that actually lights up our brain, which we'll get up into in just a minute. And so for me, that the whole significant loss of these events, whether it's traditions, like we're talking about initiations, rites of pra- passage, uh, if they're, they're major events like going to camp, um, or even us, you and I going into the office. I mean, how much less is our brain lit up because we're not actively feeling or, or seeing somebody, feeling's probably the wrong word, but seeing somebody across the, the way and being able to high five them and say, hey, man, what's up? And then tell a story. All those losses have actually left markers in our brain that have to be healed. However, in our society, we don't really understand the grieving process. While in the United States, you know, we hide our sick away. And then when they die, we kind of hide that too. We're not as good at this as the rest of the world. Mm. It's, It's not American, right? American is out front, charging, health, winning. But the truth is, and I know you're about to talk about this, all of these losses leave these little markers in our brain. And if they're not dealt with, they fester. And then we have to do something to medicate that, which then leads mm. to all the different things we do. I mean, you, you start thinking about drugs, alcohol, technology addictions, sexual addictions, pornography addictions. Like what are we doing with those? Are those all about us being bad people who have no control of our behaviors? Usually they're about medicating loss and dealing with the pressures of society. These things build up in our brain, right? Our brain gets a little quote unquote dirty from all of it. And if we're not healing from it, it creates a huge problem. So many, many people have had all of these grief losses, like you've talked about, one after the other after the other, right? I, I lost graduation, the game, the office, jobs, promotional opportunities. So much has happened. And then we're reinforcing it every day, watching the news, reading the news. You know, oh Chica, it, it is just, uh, it's, a, it's absolutely a pandemic, but the pandemic I'm talking about isn't necessarily COVID. COVID's there, but I think we got a much bigger pandemic with the damage of the brain and the loss that this has created. And the generations to come to the gaps. We're talking about the gaps. And I, I read an interesting article yesterday around brain fog. And some of our listeners may may relate to this, similar to the cultural markers. When you remove these markers, we're walking around in a fog. And so like I've literally had times during my work week where I've, I've stopped and I've gone, wait, what's her name? Wait, what was I thinking about? Because to your point, we're saturating ourselves in the news. We're worried. So our fight, flight or freeze is way up. And therefore it's flooding the idea or fogging us to be able to make rational front of the brain decisions that make sense, the decision-making piece. So Jay, I was also thinking, and I'd love to get your input on this. When we talk about men specifically and initiation or these cultural markers, right? Think about when we were born, we were not born into manhood. I think we were actually born into womanhood because who nurtures us as soon as we come out? And then as we move through those early formative development stages of our lives, we're sitting there with our mothers, uh, with our aunties, while our 
dads are out there earning a buck, right? So we don't see them, but twice a day when they leave and when they come back, but during the day we're with our men, uh, our woman. So we're almost, and I'd love your opinion here, Jay, are we born into womanhood and then unplugged and then have to plug into manhood at that certain adolescent age? You know, you're touching on something that I've really begun to explore deeply. And, and we talked about back in the first episode, when God starts to get your attention on something, you see it everywhere. You actually named it. I can't remember what you named it, Chica. You had the scientific name. You start seeing it everywhere. Recticular activation. That's mm-hmm. right. Recticular activation. And so attachment theory is a really growing body of work in psychology and helping us understand about the brain and healing and damage. But I think what you're talking about really is in God's economy, we've talked about there are way things work. And when we're born, naturally, the first attachment, whether we're a male or a female, we're supposed to make is with our mother. Hmm. And, we, and if we attach properly to her, right, it sets us on a foundation for a healthy life and, and, and the process of healthy attachments moving out if we don't attach properly to our mother. But to your point, in God's economy, given the fact that there's a way things work, you know, how do you move through attachments? At some point, we do need to, as a man, attach to our father. And if our father is absent for whatever reason, we need another significant male to attach to if our manhood is going to be properly conferred, if we're going to be initiated appropriately into how to act. We said at one point, if a man's left to define manhood for himself, we are not going to like the outcome. Mm. And most of that is because the vast majority of men in this country and all around the world really are not attaching properly. And and that leads to, to dangerous men. And that has huge ramifications on society. The other issue I think in the United States we're facing is we're trying to drive men to attach to a feminine view. Yes. Yes. And that's a, a huge softer, problem too. A softer man. Yeah. And it's, and it's, and it's, it's interesting. It's not necessarily about like, am I tough or whatever, but when you say softer, it's just that there's a way we're designed. There's things the man is supposed to do in society, in his home, in his workplace. And if he doesn't understand his role and how to play it, and he starts to play that role in an improper way, it upsets the balance of everything. And it, and it makes it more challenging for women to play the roles that they've been designed to do. And we're not talking about women being barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen. Like I have no issue with women in the workplace. God designed women. We've talked about it. We're going to talk more about it. Women are so glorious. God's design is so beautifully evident, but the reality is there's a, there's a push and a pull, a yin and a yang to how men and women are designed and how we need to operate and how we work together in society. And when a man is not properly initiated, his manhood is not conferred, and he's not playing his role, it upsets the balance of everything, Chica. And we're seeing that play out today. So we're talking about the rites of passage of men. And when you go back to your teen years, when was your rite of passage from teenager to, oh, here's a new land of adult? Right here is the uh, was it was it when you were sixteen was it on football camp was it on um, when you got your driver's license was it when you had your first beer at twenty one or are you still living in your mom's basement right now at forty eight I don't know but wherever you are um, gosh football Jay and and I don't know I never went to an American fraternity but I remember for me the fraternity that I grew up in was the football team whereby we as boys. Um, were actually self-governing ourselves and there were no rules. So if you didn't respect the tribe, if you didn't want to play with the tribe, you were almost excommunicated. And that's really important when it comes to this rite of passage piece as well. 
And when I when I watch the movies, when I hear the stories of my my friends that have gone through fraternity kind of rush week, and that's a rite of passage, right? That's almost a you've been unplugged from home, you're now here. Grow up, be a man, be one of us, Lord of the Flies type, um, self-governed, social creature, interdependence. Um, uh, what, what are your thoughts around that? Well, I think you're touching on something really important, Chica. We're all living out our own version of Lord of the Flies, and that's the huge challenge. When we've not been appropriately initiated, when man has not been conferred to us, when we're left to define it for ourselves, we end up with really bad definitions. And that leads to terrible things inside of our society. Now, here's the great part. Here's the great part. It's not too late. No matter how old you are or how many mistakes you've made, the beauty of the scripture, the beauty of gospel, the beauty of Jesus Christ saving grace is we can restart. We can capture it back. Yes, there's damage that's been done, but it can be healed and we can start new. We can start fresh. Even if your children are growing and you never initiated your son properly or your daughter, you can start right now. And through the power of God's healing grace, you can get in there. And first, we got to get ourselves right. We got to heal ourselves. We got to become disciples. We got to walk it out. But then we can absolutely start from here and begin to rebalance this process. And if the church does that, if biblical men stand up and do that, then the opportunity for future generations is so bright. As we've talked about, Jay, you know, Proverbs 22, 6, train a, a child up in the way he should go. You know, that that's exactly what you're just referring to there, Jay. And I think that as we come back into the brain for a second, think three kind of levels of our brain. You've got the reptilian brain, you know, am I breathing? You've got the mammalian brain, am I safe? Then you've got the prefrontal cortex, which is like the boardroom of innovation and collaboration, right? So the cortex is cortex is mammalian, reptilian. And when you think of the adolescent years, uh, that's actually known as the second sensitive period of brain development. And it's important because that's where the shaping of the brain occurs. Well, really, the inside of our brains are being shaped right there. And so, Jay, I, I hope you're ready right now because this is the brain stuff you've asked for. So if you back up, when we were born, when you were born, when I was born, we were all born. Brain, baby brains have approximately 100 billion neurons inside the brain. And for those of you that don't know what neurons are, I'll let you ask Alexa here in a bit. But just time out for a second. How great, how beautiful, how wonderful is our God? A God that can make a brain with 100 billion neurons in it? And double down on that hashtag, whoop, whoop. Um, how good is a God that can allow humans or create humans that can understand, get in there and count 100 billion neurons within a brain? My goodness. It all looks like gray matter to me, but I'm bummed. Anyway, I, I digress. So in, in infancy, our brain is experiencing explosions, right? Explosions of what they're now calling synapse formations. And if you don't know what a synapse is, a synapse is the gap between two neurons that carries the electrical currents and the chemical signals so that they can speak to each other within our brain. And um, the, the, the kind of explosion that I'm referring to in early brain development is called synaptogenesis. But if we fast forward to what we were just talking to in adolescence, once this brain forms, right, the synapses are formed, it then takes on this process of use it or lose it, which I'm sure all of our listeners are very familiar with, right? And the idea of using it or losing it basically is synapses that are more active are strengthened and the synapses that are, that are less active are weakened and or ultimately pruned. And I love this idea of synaptic pruning. Right. And this is why when we think about rites of passage, I'm super passionate about the brain here because the pruning is important. The early synaptic pruning is mostly influenced, Jay, by our genes. 
And so, listener, this, and I'm not talking about your your Hollister or Abercrombie and Finch genes. I'm talking about the genetic process, right? Because it's based on our experiences, not just on the genetic process. Basically, what I'm saying is we are influenced, adolescents are influenced by the experiences that they have with the world around them. So the constant stimulation, the constant anchoring, if you will, of rites of passages in their lives actually causes their synapses to grow and become permanent because they're wrapped in the myelin sheath, which I'll let you look up on your own. But if a student does not receive, if a young man does not receive the little simulation um, that they need, that is then dissolved and pruned and there are less of those connections. One of the key learnings for me over the last couple of years has been just how powerful our brain is and how important it is that we understand it, the limbic system, the things that drive our behaviors. And I think that's what Paul's talking about in Romans 12 too, when he says, hey, you got to reject the world and renew your mind. Like I understand that verse in a totally different way now. Like 2000 years ago, Paul understood, man, your brain is really the key. It's really the key to this whole deal. So first, if you're a man listening to this, you need to start learning about that. I'm just going to challenge you. Like you need to understand how your brain works, what Chica's talking about. And there's a lot of great resources and we're going to put a lot of them into the show notes. Because if you don't, you're going to continue to repeat the patterns of your life that drive you nuts. And then you're going to be stuck in Romans, right? I don't do what I want to do. I do what I don't want to do. Like, I don't get it. And Paul is saying, you don't get it because the pattern of your brain is driving you into behaviors you don't want to be doing. The beauty of the gospel, again, is we can pull back from that. But And we're going to talk about this in the next episode. But you have to choose to do that and snap a marker that says, okay, Jesus, whew, help me, help me learn how to heal my brain. Now, that's going to be a challenge because and you're going to have to go to some places in your past you know, you might not want to go. Like we've poured some concrete over a lot of those markers we were talking about earlier that, that cause damage in our brain. And you're going to have to start to excavate, excavate your past and your history to, to, to go in search of healing. But Chica, you know, as we draw to a close here, that's what we're talking about. Like the, the power of the brain is unbelievable. Maybe you can wrap us up by telling us where do we start if we're going to start pursuing healing in the brain? And why does that actually matter? Well, as you would know, with fight, flight, or freeze, which is part of that reptilian piece, am I safe? You know, that's what we're craving as humans. I'm looking for my personal safety. I'm looking for the safety of those I love. And that could be financially, that could be emotionally. I'm then looking for support. I'm looking for that interconnectedness that you and I spoke to, that community. So safety is the first, support is the second, and the third is belonging. Okay, so yes, I want to be connected, but I also want to feel a sense of belonging, i.e. the fraternities excommunicating those that do not play by the rules. And so there's a great way when you think from a corporate lens and working at work to a family lens, you think through your families right now and who's excommunicated, who belongs, who leads, who drives, and then the safety, you know, just just in this world, I think, again, that's that's causing some of the flooding. Because our sadness of COVID, our sadness of the loss of so many different uh, markers, as you referred to, is causing us to feel unsafe. Not necessarily all of us for our health, but that the flow is not there to create that safety, support, and belonging. So Jay, as we close up this episode, I would want to come back to a question we asked at the very beginning for our listeners, which is, think through the, the adolescent years that you grew up. When were there certain markers placed in your life? And forward thinking, especially if you're a dad, you know, where are you being intentional with the markers in your son's or daughter's lives? Because those rites of passage are going to help continue to build the safety, support and belonging, which creates this idea of a home court advantage for your family, for your community, and especially for you. 
That's awesome. I know there's a lot more to learn about the brain. I know we're going to talk a lot more about it in future episodes, and I'm excited for that because as we start to understand all those things you're talking about, and Chica's so smart in the brain, he's going to bring us a lot of resources. But as we learn about these things, this how does my brain work? How does it drive my patterns? There's some real healing available to you. And my hope is that is a massive rescue for your life. Another excellent conversation, Jay. Jeez, we have a good time. Um, and to all of our listeners, thanks for hanging in for the 20 minutes this week. And we hope that the audio has really boiled your potatoes, if you will. And so we're going to ask and encourage that you share this with maybe one to two men in your life. Uh, not necessarily for us and building our community, but for you and holding you accountable as you continue your walk uh, to becoming a biblical man. So thanks again for, for tuning in and we look forward to picking this up with part three next week of Rites of Passage.